So, you know, we need to, as a company, if, if we're our bread and butter is WordPress, where do we need to be to um, follow the evolution of WordPress? Because I do think, if not market share, but definitely enthusiasm for peer WordPress peaked a couple of years ago. That is the voice of Joshua Strabel, of course, from Pagely. He is our feature guest this week on the WP Elevation podcast, the show where we help you start and grow your very own digital agency. We talk a lot about the future of WordPress and what it means for WordPress-centric companies and how we all need to be aware of the changes happening in the ecosystem. And we also talk a lot about uh, raising capital and bootstrapping. Joshua and the guys at Pagely have bootstrapped their company. They have deliberately made a decision not to take on VC funding. And in this, in this episode, Joshua talks about why and also talks about how they have differentiated themselves and how they have grown their company and differentiated from the competitors when their competitors have taken on VC money and have a war chest for growth strategies. It's a fascinating episode. There's lots to learn. Stay with us. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping digital creatives and agencies elevate. Just before we get into this episode of the podcast, I have a quick favor to ask. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can get us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash Stitcher. And please, if you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us come up in the search results and get the show in front of a wider audience. And we love your feedback and we read all of the reviews. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation Podcast. I am very excited to have with me on the podcast for the first time, unbelievably, I can't believe this is the first time I'm having this man on the show. It is of course Joshua Strabel from Pagely. Hey Josh, how you doing? Hey Troy, thanks so much. It has been a long time. Uh, I it can't. It's, we've been doing this podcast for over five years, and I can't. I don't understand why it's taken us so long to get you on the call. <laughs> Hey, you know, maybe my reputation precedes me. Who knows? <laughs> I first met you at uh, Pressnomics in. I think it was the first Pressnomics, wasn't it? In um, was that in? Uh, uh, it was in not not too somewhere was it? It was in Chandler, wasn't it? Te- yeah, Tempe. Tempe. Uh, Chandler, yes. Yeah, it was in Chandler. Right. It was in Chandler. That's right. First one was first Chandler. one was in Chandler. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, that pre- was my first trip. It was my first trip to the states. And uh, was it? yeah, yeah, first time to the states ever. And uh, I flew straight in to LA, turned around, flew back around to Arizona, and uh, went straight into this conference, which blew my mind, and uh, was was incredible. And up until then, I really didn't know much about you or Pagely. So for those that are listening and don't really know what it's what it's about, who is Joshua Strabel and what is Pagely, and what are you doing here? Ah, uh, well, uh, Joshua Strabel is a forty-one-year-old entrepreneur married with two kids and i live in arizona uh pagely is the first managed wordpress hosting company it's actually 10 years old this month wow yeah so 10 years ago in september uh the world got its first taste of managed wordpress hosting and now that is a two to three billion dollar channel wow yeah 
And, uh, you know, there's 20 or 30 uh, viable competitors. There's a lot of options out there for people to host WordPress now. Yeah. And Pagely over the years has just kind of like taken that premium position, you know, at the top of the value chain. We're drastically more expensive than anybody else, but we drastically, we provide drastically better service and support for our enterprise level customers. Hmm. I want to unpack that a little bit, and I do want to talk about Pressnomics, but we'll loop back to that a little bit later on. Um, when I first discovered Pagely, I think I, I think I, that was my initial feeling was like, well, you want to charge me how much for, for mm. hosting? <laughs> like, get out of town. Why is it that you've taken that position from day one, and what are some of the challenges that you've had in because, like, it you know, taking the premium positioning is not the easy route. Uh, it requires constant education and communication with the marketplace. Have you ever been tempted to 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 have a, a cheaper offering to compete with the broader market? Well, yes and no. So ten years ago when we launched, we charged fourteen dollars and ninety eight cents. So that was fairly inexpensive today, you'd think, right? Yeah. But at the time, GoDaddy and uh, you know the the cheap um, shared hosting was still three or four dollars. So we yeah. were three or four X what the going rate was for, you know, where you could host WordPress. But we felt like we were delivering a lot of value. I mean, obviously the product has evolved quite a bit, but even from day one, we were doing automatic backups. We were doing managed upgrades of WordPress and we had some very, you know, kind of rudimentary firewalls and stuff in place for uh, um, security purposes. So I felt like there was more value than $3 a month there. So Funny story, though, we launched, hey, everybody, this is there's this new thing. We can spin up WordPress for you and kind of manage it for you. You're going to charge me $15? You criminal. What are you doing? WordPress is free. How dare you, right? Yeah. And so it was kind of um, over time. It took us about three or four or five years, to, and the market started getting more crowded. And then we really started going up market, you know, because it really came down to differentiation, you know, and positioning as – the well-funded competitors came in. You know, some people had some VC money. GoDaddy caught wind of it. They started kind of peeking their nose into the space. It was like, how is a bootstrap revenue-funded company like Pagely going to survive when company A has $20 million in VC and company B has $20 million in VC? And they all start sounding alike. Everybody's kind of saying, we do manage WordPress. We do manage WordPress. Mm. So how do you differentiate and how do you position and how do you survive without a huge war chest? You have to be different. You have to chase uh, a different type of customer. So that's really what started us on our journey towards the top of the value stack and, and serving enterprise. That's a hard road to travel though, isn't it? Because it's a longer sales cycle. There's more support. There's more work you've got to do in relationships. And sure, the revenue numbers and the what you can charge for that service is is uh, is greater, but it's 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 the long game, isn't it? And most entrepreneurs want the quick fix, man. Most entrepreneurs aren't playing the long game. What what like what's the mindset behind you getting you know your wife and the whole team on board with? Hey, trust me, we're playing the long game here. It's going to pay off. How do you how do you how do you do that? Well, it started with my aversion to venture capital. Um, it's perfect for some people. You know, I can't just throw it all out. You know, venture capital is a great financial instrument for the right business in the right market with the mm -hmm. right conditions. Mm -hmm. It's not the right financial instrument for me because through my experience, I've seen a lot of my friends who are founders of venture-backed companies 
leave their companies, mm. right? They just get kicked out or it fails or whatever. And the reason why I think that happens a lot is because the, the, the optimization changes considerably once it's venture back. Mm. So in a normal company, you're valuing your customers, you're valuing your product, you're, value, you're, you're really focused on building that relationship and sustaining that positioning in that brand. With venture capital, it's scale, 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 and scale. Mm. So everything's optimized towards scaling. So that means burning money, charge, you know, be cheap, get, a, get, get scale as soon as possible, hire as many people as you can, whether they have training, whether they have uh, uh, capabilities or not, pay them as least as possible, scale, 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 scale. And so it really, I think, shifts the focus of a company. We want to serve our customers. We want to have a company we can be proud of and, and feel good when we go to bed at night that we're providing something of value back to the world as well as our employees. And so this was the route that we had to take, essentially. There was no other way. You know, I couldn't go to the bank and borrow $10 million for an unproven idea. Mm. And I wasn't going to take venture capital. So the only way was to play the long game, right? Mm. One foot in front of the other, try to do right, try to build on what works and do less of what doesn't work. Mm. Why did you start a managed WordPress hosting company in the first place, knowing you must have known this is this is going to be the long game? And maybe just take a, a step back. What were you doing before you launched Pagely? How did that? How did that? What was the inciting incident that said I've I've got to start this thing? Right. So, um, 2003, my last year of college, um, I met my wife, uh, my then soon to be wife, a couple of years before. I graduated on Friday. We got married on Saturday, <laughs> went on our honeymoon, went on our honeymoon, came back, used the rest of our um, honeymoon money, our wedding money, to incorporate our company. And wow. we were a web design, light development, light SEO shop for five or six years. Mm. And she had a well-paying job uh, right out of college, so she was able to kind of subsidize as we got the business off the ground. And we were building websites for people, particularly in, in like Dreamweaver and, uh, you know, Adobe Photoshop, just the old, this is 2003 to 2006, right? Yeah. This is how it was back then. Yeah. But we started using WordPress at about version 1.2, I think 1.2. And uh, we had slowly got gone up market with our pricing for our web design services. And some of the early customers are coming back and saying, hey, can you build me another $500 website? No, no, no. We charge like $5,000 now or 10000 or whatever it was. And so we were turning this kind of low-end business away. We were actually referring it out to somebody else. And Sally was like, what are you doing? Why are you saying no to revenue? Like, they want to give us more money. Why, why won't you take it? Well, we can't be profitable because now we got five or six employees. We have an office. I can't be doing $500 websites and stay in business. Well, she's like, come on. Surely you can think of something. So... <laughs> My engineer at the time, Joshua Eichhorn, who is actually currently our CTO at Pagely, he built a prototype that essentially landed you on a website and you saw a bunch of theme thumbnails and you chose your theme, you put your credit card in and on the other side came a hosted WordPress site. And this huh. was 2006, right? Wow. So we called this Flare 9. It was kind of a, a wonky name. We didn't really know how to market it. We didn't know, really know what we were doing. So we got 30 or 40 customers on it and just kind of walked away. We just left it. And then we came back to it in 2009 because between 2006 and 2009, 
the economy crashed, if anybody remembers that, mm -hmm. uh, especially here in America. So I had wound down the design company. It was just myself doing contract work. You know, the corporation was still in existence, but we didn't have any employees. We didn't have an office. And I was just kind of like, well, what am I going to do? I can't just do contract work forever by myself. There doesn't even really seem to be enough of it. What do I have that I might be able to build into something that does some recurring revenue and, you know, maybe something I can build and grow over time? So I took that old code base that we had written in 2006, cleaned it up, added some features like domain registration and email hosting and, uh, you know, automated backups and such and relaunched it as Pagely. So hmm. that's how we got there. You know, web design to wow. how, how do we make recurring revenue to the economy stinks to out of desperation, let's try something. And that's where, that's how we got there. So fast forward a few years, <clears throat> Pagely is a thing. You've you know, become well-established in the WordPress space. Uh, then some competitors start coming into the space and realizing that you've proven a business model. You've, you've, got, mar you've got product market fit. Uh, you're up and about. Um, how do you deal with the competitors coming into your space? I know I've spoken a lot of WordPress entrepreneurs about this very topic, and I'm just curious about what your mindset is when you see competitors. Does that does it frighten you? Is it like a red rag to a bull? Does it kind of inspire you? How do you deal with the competition? Uh, today, it doesn't even bother me. <laughs> Seven, eight, nine years ago when they first started appearing, um, I was a little troubled. Uh, but I was also optimistic because – I kind of come from an ethos of uh, um, collaboration over competition, mm -hmm. right? You know, hey, there's there's plenty to go around. I can't serve every customer. You can't serve every customer. Mm -hmm. Maybe if we can just be frenemies, you know, yeah. pol polite polite competitors, we can get along and everybody's happy. Unfortunately, that didn't work so well. Um, I'm not saying I'm the most pleasant person all the time, but there was some uh, hinky panky that some of the competitors were doing that were, you know, bad mouthing us saying just these terrible things and promoting themselves. It's just like the end all be all. And I didn't feel like that was fair or, or very professional. So I kind of like, you know, put my fingers in the air and said, all right, it's on whatever. So I haven't really been friends with any of our competitors ever since. And I just, you know, set out with like a little taste of, uh, revenge in my mouth, like, oh yeah, I'm going to show you. You you can have all the venture capital money in the world. I'm still going to whip your ass. I'm still going to kick your butt. You're still going to fear me. And lo and behold, seven, eight, nine, ten years in, they're still running ads against us. They're still trying to position that we're better than Pagely. And here we are, this little tiny 40 person company, you know, just kind of, we, we only need 10, 15 customers a month at our price point. And they're still on our tails chasing us. And so, you know, that was kind of how I dealt with it. It was like, I'll, F me? No, F you. Let's go. <laughs> Game on. Uh, yeah. Little tiny company of 40 people. How do, oh, dear me. How do you, um, <laughs> you know, there's a part of me, there's a part of me, dude, that would love, there's, there's a part of me that gets so inspired and excited about the possibility of having 40 people. We've got about 12 12 to 15 people that touch this business on a daily basis. There's six here in Melbourne. There's five in the Philippines. There's three in the US. But on a daily basis, there's somewhere between 12 to 15 people that, that kind of interact with the business. Um, part of me is so inspired and excited about the prospect of having 40 people. And part of me is terrified about the idea of having 40 people working in the business. How, first of all, how do you 
Because one of the things I've learned when you when you onboard people is the most important thing as a leader is to set the parameters by which we're operating and the kind of the rules of engagement. And what I've realised over the years is that people want that more than anything. They want to mm. know the, the parameters in which they can operate and they want to know the impact that they're having as a team member. They want to know that their their contribution matters, right? How do you as a leader cast the vision and keep people on the same page and moving in the right direction? Is that something that's come organically for you or is that something that you've had to learn? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I think when as a, as a founder, when you're interested and excited about something, you're going to talk about it and you're most definitely going to talk to your employees about it and say like, hey, we're doing this cool thing or this is how we want to position or this. And so there's a lot of communication. But, but then also – as, as you start getting larger outside of that six or seven, you know, first group of people, you really have to um, commit to almost artificially generating that conversation. You have to, like, force yourself to engage all the new employees and make sure that they're up to, up to speed with what your values are and how you conduct yourself. And I, I got two fun little stories. One, uh, the SEO that we hired, um, oh, four or five years ago. He, he came in as our director of marketing and wonderful guy, but he came from the space of kind of like the affiliate, you know, 20 bucks a month, a uh, lot of SEM arbitrage, right? And I had to like really sit him down and said, no, dude, we're selling a product that starts at about 500 bucks a month and the high end's like $35,000 a month and we only need like 15, 20 customers a month. This isn't a volume play. Mm. And so I really had to like almost break his old habits and re-indoctrinate him into, no, this is the, this is the Apple way. This is the <laughs> premium provider way. So everything you've learned, throw it away and try to do it this way. And it, it took a few months to get there, but you know, it obviously worked. This, the second fun story is Alex King, um, a good friend of mine who passed away not so long ago. Mm. Um, I asked him that very same question you asked me about how do you get everybody to row the boat in the same direction? And he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, as much effort as you spend externally marketing your product or service, you need to 2x that effort internally marketing and evangelizing your values and your product and, and your mission statement to wow. your employees. Wow. Constant, constant, constant reinforcement of this is what we stand for. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're different. And, you know, and now take that and go serve our customers. Wow. Do you, are you guys, I've heard this so often. Um, you know, I've, I follow um, the guys at Ramsey Solutions a fair bit there. I've kind of been down that rabbit hole the last 12 months, the whole on trade leadership podcast. And I'm sort of fascinated with the business they've built, you know, $200 million a year in revenue, 800 staff. They're growing incredibly. One of the things they talk about a lot is just because you think you've said it doesn't mean you've actually said it. And even if you have said it, it doesn't mean anyone else has heard it. So, yeah. Um, I, I, this is the exact position I find myself in at the moment is that sometimes I'm, I, something will happen in the business and I'll be like, how does that happen? And then I'll be like, of course, because I'm having this conversation in my head. I'm not yeah. externalizing it. Uh, are you guys a remote team or are you all in the one location? We're a hundred percent remote. Right. Um, we, we have a concentration in Phoenix. We have like seven, six or seven in Phoenix and 
five or six in the LA area, but everybody's remote. So how do you, tactically, what does that look like for you? How do you continue to cast the vision and communicate? Is it just like doing a daily stand-up on Zoom? Is it you make a video and post it to an intranet? How does that work? Uh, we have an all hands every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the whole company's in Zoom. And then uh, there's the, our leadership structure, Sally and I, um, you know, as the founders. And then we have like department heads and then everybody else. And then department heads run an individual stand up for their teams once a week. And then Slack fills in um, the yeah. gaps. And, I, you know, engineering has probably two or three meetings a week because, mm-hmm. you know, the all hands plus the kind of strategy for the week plus like, you know, a, a QA bug fix kind of code review session every week. So it really kind of depends. And we've also started doing what we call ACE sessions. I can't remember what ACE stands for, but it's essentially one team saying, here's the level of expertise that we have on this team, like say DevOps. Mm-hmm. And this is a key component of our infrastructure stack. And we're going to spend two hours talking about how this works, how that works, how you do this what its functionality, what its capabilities are, and how it benefits the customer. And that's kind of an all hands. So as many people as possible, we record it in case they miss it, mm-hmm. but as many people as possible go to that kind of training. And so now the whole team understands how our cash layer works. The entire mm-hmm. company understands how our cash, our cash layer works instead of just the support agents that deal with it or the engineers that wrote it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So constant, constant communication. And you got to break down those silos all the time. We, we, we were just actually dealing with this last week. There was an announcement that we made that when it came time to like check in on it, people were like, huh? I didn't know that. And it's like, come on. You don't read the, you know, the status channel in Slack? Well, no, they weren't. So we had to reevaluate. Okay, how are we disseminating information that the entire company needs to be aware of? And it's crucial that they're aware of it. So we're, you know, we're trying to explore different ways of doing that. That might be an email to everybody. That might be, you know, verbally during the all hands. I don't know. But it's a constant challenge. Not just culture and values, but like um, Bob's out sick Monday. Like how do you communicate that to everybody? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And Slack is noisy, man. I mean, we're only, you know, as I said, 12 to 15 and Slack is like, I look at Slack and I'm like, whoa, I need a Slack assistant just to kind of give me the executive summary of what's going on, you know? (laughs) You're absolutely correct. Yeah, it's almost more noise than it's worth sometimes. Yeah. Um, You've uh, just launched Northstack. For the uninitiated, what is Northstack? What's the value proposition and, and why? Gotcha. You know, a couple of years ago, um, our CTO and myself, we sat down and we, we asked ourselves a question. WordPress is changing. WordPress is uh, evolving. The marketplace for content management systems is changing and evolving. Mm. The needs of the customers in terms of like what kind of sites they build with content management systems is neat, changing and evolving. Where do we need to be as a company based on infrastructure Uh, product and service and positioning to be viable in five years. You know, we're almost playing a doomsday scenario. Say Mm. WordPress has already peaked and it's gone in two years. Mm. What happens to our company? And Northstack is what came out of that conversation. It's managed serverless application hosting for WordPress, Laravel, Node, uh, static sites, and uh, headless WordPress, and a few other kind of things over on the side but it's a metered billing model. So rather than a flat, you know, 
you pay me 500 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month or whatever for your silver, gold, bronze plan. It's we've assigned a price point to every resource you consume and it's, you know, fractions of a penny. And so you just consume what you need. If you need a lot of bandwidth, you, you use a lot of bandwidth. If you need a lot of database activity or none, we just charge you for the database activity you use. And then it just tallies up at the end of the month and, um, you know, you get a bill. And it's not 100% serverless as in function as a service like Lambda or something because we're trying to bridge this legacy WordPress product or, or Laravel or something into a serverless world. And you can't just – it's not a direct port. You can't rewrite WordPress as Lambda functions. It doesn't happen. So we're using uh, containerization, Dockers, Aurora serverless databases – and this kind of metered billing model to apply serverless principles to legacy application frameworks. And the benefit of the way we're doing it is it's infinitely scalable. Hmm. And you only, you only are billed for what you use. So if you have a very good static caching site, and the only time you access the database is when you log in and you know, add a new post, you're only going to get charged, you know, four seconds of database time that month. Mm, got it. So you, it, it's, go ahead. Uh, and is this, is this because you think, it's funny, I ran into someone at the grocery store the other day of all places and I, he, he recognised me and he said, I met you at a WordPress meetup a couple of years ago and you gave me some great advice and, and we got chatting and then he was just going on about Gatsby JS and he's like, he's just switching everything from WordPress to Gatsby uh, mm-hmm. just from a page speed point of view. Do you, do you think that, um, and it, you know, I don't, know, I don't know whether it feels like WordPress has peaked or whether that's just a, a manifestation in my own imagination, but do you feel like there is a risk of WordPress um, becoming less and less relevant over the next two or three years? And, and if so, why? Like, what, what, what do you think the big risks are for WordPress? I do think it's going to become less relevant because for the simple matter is that it's moving away from the space it used to occupy where anybody could pick it up and use it, mm. right? So now Wix and Squarespace and, you know, a few of the other com- uh, kind of WYSIWYG uh, visual editing platforms are taking that space now. Mm. And so it's moving away from that anybody could use it to more of like, you know, only if you really kind of know how it works can you use it. Yeah. So that – and then I think the next point is – Content management as a whole is changing. You know, while WordPress is a dynamic platform and it's always got a hot database connection, and unless you use a company like ours that knows how to cache it well and do these other things, it has its security vulnerabilities. It has its resource burn. It frankly does not scale out of the box, right? Mm. And so people are like, okay, well, I like WordPress. I like its data store. We can use that for its admin functions, but can we do something different and better on the front end? So yeah. themes are dead. Themes are going away. I'm calling it right now. Yeah. Because it is, you get so much more bang for your buck to run, to install WordPress over here with your plugins set and do your content management. And then every time you hit publish, it fires a little script that builds a static Gatsby site, which mm. is lightning fast, mm. right? And it has zero security vulnerabilities. And, you know, you can still have some dynamic, Things like comments work in Gatsby. You know, you can do WordPress comments through Gatsby. 
yet still keep your site loading in a tenth of a second. Mm. So I do see it going that way. So, you know, we need to, as a company, if, if we're our bread and butter is WordPress, where do we need to be to um, follow the evolution of WordPress? Mm. Because I do think, if not market share, but definitely enthusiasm for peer WordPress peaked a couple of years ago. Yeah. Probably a good thing you're not called WP Pagely then, isn't it, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine that, right? And, and good thing I'm not trying to shoot for an IPO with that name either. <laughs> Oh, fantastic! Uh, hey, this has been this has been super interesting and and super fun, and I can't believe it took us so long to get you on the show. But I really want to thank you for your time, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with Nordstack. And I, you know, we're going through a, a, a soul searching exercise here at the moment too. We're called WP Elevation, and we know that that WP has been very good to us over the last few years. At some point. You know, does it become the anchor that stops the boat moving forward? We don't know. We're, we're kind of on an exploration about that internally ourselves at the moment as well. So um, great to have this conversation and look forward to, to keeping this conversation going. Hey, where can people reach out and thank you for this and keep in touch with what you're doing? You're right. So I'm uh, Strebble on Twitter where I usually just post nonsensical uh, BS. But uh, I work at pagely.com and northstack.com. And uh, – if anybody's in the States in the next six days, we're having Pressnomics 6. Oh, that's right, of course. iteration of our conference. Yeah, so. yeah, we didn't actually touch on that. Uh, just, and, and again, for those that don't know Pressnomics, what is pre- Pressnomics? I've been there twice. I get it. It's, um, it's an incredible experience. If I didn't have a two-year-old, I'd be back out there again this year. But I've already done three trips overseas this year. So if I leave the country yep. again, my wife's probably going to change the locks. Uh, what is, what is Pressnomics? Uh, quite simply, it's the uh, conference for those that power the WordPress economy. You know, WordCamp is great uh, if you want to learn how to use WordPress and, it, and it's um, you want to be exposed to some of the professional ecosystem side. And we decided, you know, I like that aspect. How can I just do a whole conference with just like speakers and just industry experts in WordPress? And that's what we did. Now we're on our sixth iteration of it. Wow. Well done, man. Congratulations. It's a, it's a fantastic event. I've, it's, and just purely from a networking point of view, uh, I don't and, – and I say this hand on heart – I don't think that this podcast or, in fact, this business would be what it is today if I hadn't made the trip out to the first two Pressnomics and met the people there. It's, it's been hugely impactful to my professional network and, and our business. So uh, keep, keep fighting the good fight there, man. You're doing really good work. Certainly. Thank and, you so much for having me. And my wife still drinks her chai tea from the Pagely mug that Sally, the handmade one that Sally sourced. Yep. It's, you, still, you it's still a feature in our kitchen. Funny story. We have a few of those left, and but the number's dwindling because for some reason, my dishwasher, when I go to put them in the dishwasher, I keep hitting them on the corner <laughs> of the granite. And I've broken like five of them this way, and it makes me so sad. <laughs> Well, there's still one floating around here in Melbourne, Australia. So if you ever run out, let me know. <laughs> Sounds good, Troy. Good stuff. Thanks, thanks, Josh. Look forward to keeping in touch. Absolutely. Thanks. All right, Take folks. Care. There you go. There's another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. Get on over to wpelevation.com slash iTunes to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review and also hit us up on YouTube and Facebook, which is where we are most active. I look forward to speaking with you again on the podcast soon. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate.